Welcome to the Gravity Technique podcast. My name is Kaz and I'm the creator of the Gravity Technique, which is a bridge between the face-meltingly boring science world and the practical application of how your body actually works. I've spent 20 years researching anatomy and movement, so you don't have to, and this podcast is where I deep dive into debunking, de-jargoning, myth-busting some of our most common ailments. So if you're ready to feel empowered to take responsibility for your own health and well-being, let's get started. So we are going on from the last podcast that that I did or recent podcast that I did talking about 10,000 steps. So, which was really interesting, actually, because I was talking all about 10,000 steps and where it came from and uh, what it was for and, uh, you know, all of that stuff, the the origination of the 10,000 steps, which turned out to be a complete fallacy. It was just a, a marketing tool for the um, precursor to the, the Tokyo Olympics in the 60s. So, but also, as these things always happen, talking about 10,000 10, steps, writing about 10,000 steps, and then I get hit up from a load of people talking to me about knee pain. Knee pain, whether you're walking or whether you're running, is coming from your feet. And runners particularly, you know who you are. I can I can see you even though we're on a podcast. You know who you are. Wrapping it up in a bandage and running anyway is not okay. Just going to throw that straight out there. Don't do it. If you are running, if you are walking any kind of distance and you have knee pain, it comes down to your feet. It all comes down to your walking gait. And I wanted to get into that in our session today because there's a lot of information being bandied about at the moment and there's a lot of... um, there's a, there's a lot of kind of pressure for us to to get up and get moving. There's couch to 5K, there's 10,000 steps. There's all these different things. There's a myriad different apps out there as well, all telling us that, you know, you know get this app, get your trainers on, get out the door um, and just get started. However, there is a, a slight issue there. If you're walking on completely fallen arches or if you're walking on um, with your body weight tipped forwards into your toes or if you're walking with your body weight all back in your heels with your knees locked out and your head forwards, this is all going to negatively impact the joints in the lower legs and the ones that get hit first are the knees. The other reason that we get knee pain is that they are one of the most densely innervated joints in the body in the body. They are they're they're called a complex joint. They are a complex joint. They have massive amounts of structures. Um, if you if you took two sticks and 
wrapped them in cling film so that they stuck together and you had this crisscross of cling film that held your bones together, held your sticks together. And then over that, you stuck some elastic bands in all different directions. You'd have something close-ish to a knee joint. This is a, it's a complex joint for a reason. It's called a complex joint for a reason. And it has so many different muscle, bone, ligamentous, tenderness, fascia, connective tissue structures running all over it, all around it. So with that in mind, there's a lot of blood and there's a lot of nerve running through there. So when things start to be a little bit out of whack, knees are the ones that squeak the first. They and you know they send the messages back up to the brain that we call pain. And knee pain is quite unlike any other pain in the body. I think um, I've worked with a lot of people that have had knee replacements, and of all the people that I, of all the clients I've seen with surgical intervention over the years, the knee pain definitely seems to be the one that goes off the Richter scale. Having a knee replacement seems to have pain levels that are way higher than, say, hip replacement or shoulder shoulder surgeries or those other surgeries. And uh, it, it really is quite interesting to, to notice that, but that definitely seems to be to be something there. So that when we get knee pain... It really is a stop, cease and desist. It's sharp, it's hot, it's burning, it doesn't feel very nice. And it's certainly not something, I'm going to point at the runners again, it's certainly not something you don't just stick a crepe bandage on it and just keep going. So what do we do? Because we, as I say, any movement is better than no movement at all. But we do have to look at the logistics of what are we running on? First things first, when it comes to knee pain, get intelligent. Get intelligent on two things. Get intelligent on what you're running on. That's your environment. Are you running on concrete? Are you road running? You're running on asphalt, those really hard surfaces. If you're road running and, you know, pavement, marathon running, all of that stuff, human bodies are not designed to run on that stuff. Concrete is really, really hard humans aren't. We like to think we are. We think that bones are solid. They're not. We are a really soft and quite vulnerable um, organism. So with that in mind, if you are running on the road, don't just get some trainers from the local discount shop. Go and get yourself some proper trainers, proper running trainers. Something with some good foam in the bottom that is going to protect your beautiful heel from bashing itself into the floor repeatedly. We are not designed to hit our heels on the floor like that Um, and certainly not into that kind of a surface. So get some padding underneath you. Foam padding, not bubbles. I am a big fan of the Nike running bubbles because they look really cool, but I'm a throwback from the 90s. I'm an old 90s relic. So, when, you know, when the 
uh, when the Nike Air came out, I was the first in line. I thought they were the best looking thing ever. Soon developed raging knee pain, funnily enough, because air bubbles underneath your feet are highly unstable and your foot is a sensitive, flexible, stable foundation for the rest of your body and it's also designed to feed back to your brain the sole of your foot is designed to feed back to your brain about the environment underneath it so that you can remain upright I think I've talked about this before but I'll say it again prime directive number one for your brain is stay upright if you don't stay upright you're going to get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger this is old ancient stuff So stay upright at any cost. If the message is coming back to your brain from your feet are wobble, 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 all your brain can do is send back the messages to your body, brace, brace, brace. And brace, brace, brace looks like tighten hamstrings, lock knees, tighten quads, pull hips flexors, lift kneecaps, pull up all the muscles in the calf, around the ankle, clench buttocks and lift your shoulders up around your ears. These are all the safety structures that your brain has thought of that will keep you upright if something feels unstable. If you want to test this theory, and be very careful with yourself. It's, it's one of those don't try this at home, folks. But if you've ever tested this theory, if you've ever stuck your foot on some wet leaves or some slippy mud or you've stepped outside your front door and there's a big icy patch that you didn't see or you've put a foot wrong and your foot's sort of fallen off the curbstone or it's, it's stepped on something unstable, there's a wobbly paving stone underneath you, something like that. What's the first thing your body does? Your shoulders snatch up round your ears. You take a lovely breath in. <gasps> tightens your tummy. Tightens your buttocks. Tightens everything. Tighten, 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 tighten. What happens when your foot is on a lovely cushion of air in those very beautiful running shoes? There are other running bubble shoes available, by the way. Just not the Nike ones. They were just the ones that I was particularly enamoured with in 1997. I saw them in a shop window and was just smitten, rightly or wrongly. But the if your foot is on a bubble of air, that is highly unstable. So that is the message that your foot is sending back to your brain. But it's sending it back to your brain constantly. So those muscles engage and rather than than them being a snatchy reflex, they now stay engaged for long periods of time. We go running on that or we go walking on that and we're trying to walk and swing our arms and move our legs backwards and forwards with muscles around the major joints that are highly engaged and it's not useful. And this is where we start to find that we cause unnecessary wear on the joints. So that's the first one. Get intelligent about what you're running on. If you're running in the woods, we are definitely more designed for this. So running on the soft ground. 
uh, particularly here in the UK. Uh, we are designed for, for that kind of that trail running, running on, on soft ground, running on leaves, running through the woods, that sort of stuff. It takes a little bit more concentration because there's roots and branches and all of that stuff. But it also takes us into the realms of barefoot shoes running. If you are not an experienced runner, if you haven't had your gait checked, if you are just, you know, if basically if you're not a professional runner, barefoot shoes are not for going on hard surfaces with. Your heel strike is far too heavy for a start um, and it's just going to cause massive wear and tear, I can't say it now, massive wear and tear to the joints and you end up with you know you can end up with things like shin splints and all those other horrid things so get some padding underneath you for that if you are running in the woods uh, you probably can be afforded a little bit more leniency so you could go for a slightly thinner sole um, you know if you are inclined towards barefoot running then you know that is a training um, I really recommend listening to Shane Benzie. He's just, he is the leading authority on this stuff. So if you're thinking about switching over to barefoot walking or barefoot running shoes, go and do your research, find out about this stuff and you train yourself in slowly. Same as when I'm working with clients and we're starting to, um, wean them off orthotics I've made a joke about this before that orthotics are a bit like the class a drugs um they they you get to a point where you're doing uh this work and all of a sudden they don't feel good anymore you can start to feel that they're they're not useful anymore and you want to get rid of them but you're kind of hooked on them and your body doesn't really know what to do we've got these an immature foot doesn't know what to do with um the you know it doesn't know how to be without the orthotics because it's dependent. There's a dependency there. So we wean you off slowly, you know, two minute walk, five minute walk, seven minute walk. And it's the same with the, the barefoot shoes. You know, take two sets of trainers with you on your walk or on your run, your barefoot ones and your normal ones. And you just train yourself in slowly and you'll find that you'll be able to get more and more and more. Um, so that's, that's that on, on environment. And then, you know, be intelligent with your shoes. What are you running on? And are your shoes appropriate for that? The final point to make with, with this is, you know, get your gait checked. If you've been told ever in your life that you've got flat feet, you need to get that stuff sorted you must have arches in your feet. There are five arches in your feet, not just the primary one that we talk about all the time, which is the deep arch on the inside of the foot. And if you feel like you're you're walking with, you know, duck feet out to the side or you walk with your toes looking in at each other and then you run on that, you are not going to do yourself any favours. So get your gait sorted. Teeth cleaning pose in the gravity technique will help you. That's one nice one that you can do at home. You just have your feet hip width apart, toes and heels in line. You put a gravity button on the outside or underneath the outside of your heel, long little toe side, and you pull that down into the ground. You pull it down into the ground hard enough that your feet start to roll onto their outer edges and you pull the 
big toe joint off the ground and then you reset big toe joint and the inside of the heel back down into the ground the feet will stretch out the big toes will go forwards towards the wall in front of you and you'll feel more of the roundness of the snooker ball heel and we're looking for that even weight distribution through the heels and the toes so notice if your body weight is way back in the heels you want to shift your hips forward so that your body weight comes in behind the balls of the feet and if your body weight is all the way forwards into the toes you want to shift your body weight back with your pelvis and your head back into the heels you keep your knees soft all the time you can pop over onto our youtube channel uh, gravity technique and there's a, a lovely video there that will take you through that process it's called teeth cleaning pose as it is exactly what it says on the tin. Do that twice a day. You set your feet before you clean your teeth and that will help to reset your proprioception. Messages from your body back to your brain about where you are in space, literally meaning you know your backside from your elbow. So, um, and for a lot of us in the early days of doing this work, we, we don't, we're not entirely sure where we are in space so we spend long periods of time with the head forward spend long periods of time with the knees locked out and it's not good for us but you know when it becomes habit when we get used to it but it feels normal so with that in mind we have to reset ourselves and the best way to do that is by changing our approach in our daily activities so the gravity techniques um, are exactly that they are things to focus on with your body throughout your daily activities so as teeth cleaning pose kettle boiling pose um, while you're waiting for your toast to cook pose um, how changing the way that we go up and down the stairs changing the way that we walk changing the way that we sit and stand and run and all of that stuff so when it comes to walking and running we don't want to be running on you know, ducky feet where the feet are out to the side and we don't want to be running on pigeon toes either. We want that lovely um, straight feet and just, you know, a more awareness to the feet. And if you are struggling with your gait, if you have got orthotics, um, if you have got dropped arches, if you've got plantar fasciitis, all of that stuff, come and get yourself checked you know where we are get yourself booked into the clinic we'll have a look at you um clinics on zoom by the way it's not uh, it's not physical so don't worry about it if you're um worried about geographical range we can we cover all the time zones so just uh you can find that over on gravitytechnique.com so the final point to do with running is <laughs> And this is going to sound really whacked out. We don't run with our legs. We do run with our legs, but we don't run with our legs. So your leg muscles are not the prime drivers for your running. Your central core system is. So we run normally if we if we are. And this is, you know, for couch to 5K. And I am one. I don't run unless I'm assured of a kill. <laughs> and there's usually something chocolatey. So I will definitely run for chocolate uh, if I think the shop's going to shut shortly and I haven't got my my chocolatey fix. That would definitely kind of sway me into to a mild, um, 
should we say mild trot, something like that, uh, is about as good as you're going to get from me. Um, but with that in mind, so when we run as a general rule, the head is slightly forwards because the eyes are in the head and they want to see where we're going. We're looking slightly down towards the floor, which takes the head out of the gravity line. And whenever that happens, the hips go slightly back. We press with the toes, big toes mostly, and we push away with the big toe as it goes out behind us to propel us forwards. And that fires the quads and the hip flexors so the front of your thighs and the front of your hips if you are a regular walker or regular runner you may have run into your piano wire hip flexors at some point and they may be giving you a little bit of grief so with that in mind we have to shift our focus out of the front of the body because if the front of the body is pulling us along up the road and the rest of our body is being dragged along with it. That's an awful lot of work for the front of the legs. And it's not a lot of work for anybody else. We get out of breath very quickly. Uh, it'll give you a stitch in your tummy or in your side. Um, and it just doesn't feel good. So something I can really recommend is just in your mind's eye. You can do this at home to practice, but just place your hands onto the back of your hips where your sacrum is. So it's the centre of your pelvis at the back, at the top of your bottom, basically. So if you place your hands there and just bring your attention to the weight of your hands on the back of your body and allow the weight of your hands to bring your hips forward slightly. It's micromillimetres. It's a feeling rather than a doing. But you just bring your hips forward slightly. It'll shift your body weight. You'll feel the body weight more in the centre of the foot. Keep the knees soft. From there, now have a little practice walk round whichever room you're in. So have a little bit of space, either in your lounge or in your kitchen, something like that. So have a little bit of space. Just take yourself with, for a little walk with the hands on the back of your body, bring the shoulder blades together just a little bit, let the collarbones feel like they could slide off the edges of the shoulders. And we just take a little walk around. Now you don't have to walk like this outside, you take the hands away, but you just keep your mind's eye, your focus to the back of your pelvis and you imagine that there's this lovely person behind you Call it the universe, call it Tom Hardy, <laughs> call it Aquaman, call it, you know, um, what, what would my friend say, Margot Robbie, <laughs> someone like that. Whoever you want it to be, somebody that would be there to lend you support. The universe has got your back, don't forget that. And just imagine that their hand is just very, very gently there where your hand was on the back of your pelvis and you're walking from there, from the back of your body, and you lead from the sacrum. So you start walking from there. Notice how your feet feel. Notice how your knees feel. Notice the position of the ribs in your head. So your head should be up. Now, it might be slightly disconcerting at first because it may be that you can't see as much of the floor as you like. And this is a process of reconnection and trust 
um, trust in your body and in your feet to to determine the environment you're standing on. But that's a whole there's a whole different podcast episode. But for 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 this practice, we're just working with that walking from the back of the body, that sacral walking. It shifts the focus. So have a little practice with that. And when you're when you're really comfortable with the walking, then we can start into maybe a little bit of a jog and then we build up to running slowly, slowly. And, you know, what will happen is it will completely change the way that you run. Completely. And the knee pain will go away. Woohoo! That's what we want. It's what we're here for. Knee pain will go away. Plantar fasciitis will go away. All of those things will go away. It's a really bold statement, isn't it? Um, you can definitely message me <laughs> if, if you need to on that. But what you should feel from walking at the sacrum and from running at the sacrum is that the prime driver for, me, for your movement is that very definite upward lift at the pelvic floor and that very definite engagement of the muscles that form the corset of the waist. And that's all the muscles around. So that's your tummy, sides of the waist, all the way around the back and your spine and the inside of your tummy as well. So this is, these are the total core structures starting from the deep pelvis and extending all the way up into the underside of the diaphragm. So with that in mind, give it a try. Let me know. Send me a message. We're here at hello at gravitytechnique.com. Pop me a message. Let me know how you get on with it. Does it make a profound difference to your walking and your running? Um, Hopefully it will help you. If you're not sure where to start on your movement journey and you really want to get started with your walking, but you've got foot or knee pain, or hip pain, um, or you're worried about that, you've had a knee injury, then just get started with that gentle walking, walking from the back of the pelvis. And let me know how you get on. And thank you so much for listening. And um, give us a like and a rating and a comment so that we don't disappear completely into the podcast ether. And uh, I hope, really hope that you found that useful. So as I say, do, I love your feedback. I love your questions. I'm always happy to come on and do an episode for questions. So just like being asked the questions about the knee pain has prompted this episode, always happy to come and uh, have a chat with you about those things. So thank you so much for listening and I will speak to you again on the next episode. Take care now.